Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. in sweat. It is a hot scorcher out there. It is 105 degrees in the shade. I can fry an ug on my face. And we are talking about Cloak and Dagger on our podcast, Cloak and Jabber. I am Alex. I am Pete. And we are going to be talking about the latest episode of Cloak and Dagger, Funhouse Mirrors. Very exciting. I missed last week. I'm so sorry about that, Pete. Hey. Sounds like you had a spirited basketball discussion. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Unfortunately, Justin is off this week. He is down in the Big Easy riding one of those gator boats. Uh, that's that what it's called. I'm pretty sure it's called a gator boat. No. We'll find out later. But before we get into talking about this episode... You guys skipped a very important part of the show last week. Yeah, well, I feel bad. You know, that's what happens when you leave and you put Justin <laughs> in charge. Things get messed up. That's ah, all right. Uh, we did skip our little history session, our little info session from a reporter down in New Orleans, Brett Macris. Uh, you can check him out at Brett with one T Macris on Twitter. Uh, he sent us a bunch of notes for both episodes, so uh, I'm going to go through them if that's all right. Please do. Because they're always very illuminating. He talks about the show or specifically what the real-life version of what happens on the show is. Uh, so let's talk about episode four first. The, this is the one that you guys missed. So forget about Funhouse Mirrors if you're listening to it for a second. We're going two episodes back. Uh, Carrollton is a major street, he says. Easy to believe a bike got stolen there. If you remember, that is uh, Cloak. Ty pretends that his bike gets stolen there so that he can break into a police station. Um, so there you go. Also, this is the same episode where we found out more about Ty's father, specifically about his deep roots in New Orleans. Uh, and we uh, encountered a group that he used to be with. Yeah. We didn't know a lot about that group, right? Uh, well, guess what? Brett does. He says, Indian culture. This is a culture buried deep in New Orleans. There are strict traditions I do not have time to explain, but they're traditions and rituals that we hold dear down here and are highly respected no matter how flamboyant and crazy they seem. All influenced with Zulu and some voodoo traditions, but heavily influenced by Native American culture. Cool. Now, more on that. Different tribes represent different neighborhoods, which is where the, quote, maybe we should send 
the Seventh Ward back to the other side of the canal came from. I assume Tyrone lives in the Garden District or Uptown, which is financially in much better shape than the Ninth Ward or Seventh and on the other side of the canal. Both awesome hoods steeped in culture and tradition, but burdened with high crime. Mm. Uh, he also mentions that the show Treme, which is on HBO. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to mention another show, Pete, uh, when we're talking about our show. It's relevant. It's fine. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, explained a lot of this. It was spot on. Indian chiefs are highly respected members of each tribe and neighborhood. During Mardi Gras, each tribe designs a new costume, which takes months of planning and hand sewing, all in an effort to look more pretty than the next tribe. Um, cool. Yeah, he actually, he says he makes comic book aprons. They're fairly detailed, and I can't imagine hand sewing with the level of detail these guys craft with. Brett, I got to ask. I Dude, think I want to see pics of that. Yeah, I think we got to have to see some pictures of the comic book aprons. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, make us some comic book aprons or something. Don't, I don't ask know. them to make I mean, us a comic book apron. That seems like a labyrinth thing. It's you know? fine. Mardi Gras, I'm sure, almost coming up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, he says there are museums down here dedicated to costumes of former chiefs. They're big and beautiful. Most craft stores That's where awesome. you buy materials to make an Indian costume are also monuments to former chiefs. It's not surprising that Tyrone's brother's cloak was still there and unfinished. If he was part of his father's tribe and killed and his costume not finished, they'd leave it as a sign of respect, especially if T's father held a position in the tribe. Well, that makes a lot of sense because when he picked up that costume, like his dad was like, yo, what are you doing? So I'm glad Brett shared that because that makes more sense now because at first I was like, why is he getting so upset? But if that's a thing of respect, that's that's cool. Yeah, there you go. So those are his episode four notes. Uh, episode five, this is from last episode. Uh, so uh, we're starting off with this one. Everyone fucks on the banks of the Mississippi, including cops. It's like, oh, it's Thursday. Time to fuck at the Mississippi. So there you go. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what that was in reference to. Well, I'm forgetting. The lady detective was getting it on. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Detective O'Reilly. She was having a little backward sex in a cop car. Yeah. Um, when Dagger is reading the Rocks on Gulf charity gala invite on her phone, the location says, in the Garden District at 730 Black Tie Affair. That's getting it like getting an invitation that says, party in Midtown. <laughs> <laughs> it's an entire invite. Incidentally, it's where I think Ty lives. Uh, Terminal, which is definitely not in the Garden District, is an event space at the Lakefront Airport, the first airport in New Orleans. It's tiny, and no one goes there except for events. Oh, cool. Uh, also that detective must be really good because club ampersand is closed permanently, probably from drug dealing. Uh, it's weird that Ty and emoji girl had sex, but not at the Mississippi river. I think he's joking there. Uh, and you're going to like this note. This is the last note. I'd have to agree with Pete. That commercial is dumb. That beach hasn't been raked in years. Yeah, my man, Brett. Yeah, so that was from the last episode. We learned a little bit more about the Roxxon Corporation, specifically that they're putting themselves out there and uh, saying that they're helping the environment. We got a couple of mock commercials, including one where they're raking the beach, and a big reveal at the end with a new character. We're going to talk about this episode, Mina Hess, who is working for the Roxxon Corporation. Yes, Pete. Okay, so me and Justin really got into it in the last episode of yeah. uh, Cloak Ooh, I'm, and Jabber. I'm about excited to see this. The commercial. Yes having commercials in your TV show, uh-huh. even though they're mock, it drove me insane uh, because I hate commercials. And even when you're joking, I was still like, fuck you for doing it to me twice. How did you feel about that? Uh, I was okay with it. I, I The reason 
I kind of get what you're saying because most of the time they don't do them correctly. They don't actually feel like commercials. Um, I know you watched Glow on Netflix with our friends Kimmy Gatewood and Rebecca Johnson are in it. Uh, They had an episode that is a fake episode of Glow and they had fake commercials in there. I thought those were great. Because they fit and they actually looked a lot like commercials of the yeah, time. Yeah, it was our main, those were main characters shooting the commercials. This was right. outside people doing a fake commercial. And it, it did feel a little fake, but I think the idea was to set up Mina Hess at the end, which is why I was okay with it. Right, but it went a long way to do that, which was you know. I guess. Also, what are you raking a beach for? The- Garbage. You rake up garbage. Yeah, but he wasn't. It was a clean beach, and he was just raking it. He was on a green screen. That's what we found out later. Why are we talking about this? All right, anyways. <laughs> drove me insane. All right, I'm sorry that you're still hanging on to that one detail. <laughs> Real quick bit of recap, uh, which you probably should have done at the beginning because we talked about a bunch of details already. Uh, but Ty and Tandy, two kids with powers, uh, they are slowly finding out about their powers. Tandy is a little more slowly comfortable. Slowly is a key word. Very slowly. Uh, Tandy has figured out how to make light daggers. She's pretty much in control of that. Ty, meanwhile, has teleportation powers. He's not in control of that. Uh, Uh, They also have opposing powers where Tandy can find out everybody's greatest hopes. Ty can explore everybody's greatest fears uh, and they can never touch because every time they touch, they get blasted backwards from each other. Now, what we found out last episode is they delved into each of their own personal mysteries a little bit more. Ty has been investigating the death of his brother, who's caused by a dirty cop in the New Orleans police district. Tandy, meanwhile, is investigating the death of her dad, uh, which may or may not have caused them to get powers. They don't really know that yet, but we, the audience, know that. Uh, And she discovered a guy named Ivan Hess, who is the father of Mina Hess, who is the character we met at the end, uh, who is another little bit in the road down her journey to finding out what was going on with Roxanne, how they got their powers, why her father died. Is that a fair estimation? Yep. Cool. So kick it off this episode. We also get a little bit more with some other characters that you've been pretty down on, Pete. But I think I'm pretty definitively able to say that they are good guys at this point. Emoji Girl, who's kind of Ty's girlfriend, sort of, not completely. They sort of committed. They gave each other jackets and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Uh, And her auntie, who is super into voodoo, we kick off with a running thread throughout the episode where the aunt is reading cards. Yeah, she's doing a reading. She's doing a reading, but not specifically for Ty, not specifically for Emoji Girl. She's doing it for the city of New Orleans. And we find out some big details out of this. Right. It seems like she's kind of doing it for Ty, though. She's kind of... Well, she says, specifically, like, the emoji girl asks her, are you doing this about Ty? And she says, no, I'm doing it for the city. Mm -hmm. And what we learn, I think we can kind of jump through this thread. This is the thing that's dropped at varying times throughout the episode. It ties into little things that are happening with Tandy and Ty. Um, But we find out that most likely Tandy and Ty are a part of something bigger that happens maybe every couple of decades, yeah, maybe every century. These two people, yeah. Show up during climactic periods with New Orleans. And it always presages something bad and one of them lives and one of them dies. Yeah, which is a huge reveal. I know who I want to die. Uh who is it, Pete? I'm scared to ask. Tandy. Oh, you're mean. Why? She is the worst. You stay she away is from Tandy. Worst. You stay away from my Tandy. Also, it drives me nuts that if you find out you have powers and then you find somebody else who has powers, 
that you don't spend any time talking to each other and maybe practicing what you can do and trying to learn. Well, uh, something. And then at least connecting that. You're well, hold f- on. You're jumping around a little bit. Let, let's talk about this revelation. This is something that I've been honestly kind of dreading for a while. And we've talked about a bit on the podcast, the idea that there's this deeper destiny for them that's driving them towards being superheroes. I didn't mind the execution of this because not everybody has all of the information like auntie and emoji girl don't necessarily know who about Tandy, uh, Ty and Tandy don't know any of this information. They'll probably find out at some point. Um, but we, the audience are the only people who have all of this information. And I think that's pretty nice. I like that as a, from a viewing perspective. Cool. I'm happy for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I just, I don't know, man. If I met somebody in life who had like the same kind of deal that I had, except kind of the opposite, and we had woken up on a beach together and all these things, we seem to be connected, I would want to stop and talk to them a little bit. Is well, my but point. they do. They do in this episode. That's exactly what happens. No, not enough time. It's one little bit, and then, well, I'm off to do this adventure. Okay, well, good luck with that. All right, so let me explain something about how TV works. I'm just going to lay it down. Don't to get it. Let's get into this episode. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's two things that are happening. One is Tandy is pursuing Mina Hess. She pretends to be her intern. Um, shows up, cons her into being her intern, and they end up exploring a swamp in New Orleans. Yeah, assume it's a swamp. Doesn't act like a normal intern. She asks all these poking press questions, and and it's just so they go through a bunch of scenes together. I, I think we can actually keep this kind of simple because there's some nice character stuff that happens throughout with both uh, with all of the characters. I think of this episode. Um, but for Tandy, like you're saying, she keeps asking these very specific questions oh. about like your dad, your dad. What yeah. about your dad? What about your dad? Can I talk to your dad? Hey, is it cool? Hey, it's like, uh, it seems like you have a secret agenda there in turn. Yes. So here's the two things that I liked about this particularly one, like we talked about, Tandy knows some stuff about running a con. She's not great at it. No. And they let her be not great at it. And I think that's okay. Like not everybody needs to be a master con artist pulling these expert cons on things. And the other thing that they let her do is it's pretty clear, particularly if you go back and watch the episode, Mina catches on immediately. Yeah, like she she's knows. letting her make an ass out of herself. Yeah, 100%. But it just it drives me nuts that like she's not even trying to hide her secret agenda. Well, because here's why I think this is happening. I'll throw this out to you. So um, after she ends up becoming Mina's quote unquote intern, she and Ty do have a scene in the church where they meet together. Uh, and Tandy is like, how's your gift going? How's your thing doing? Uh, you should just use it and tells him. No, she says you should kill yourself. That's how I got control of my powers. That was last episode. Right. But and this, this episode, she goes, you know what you should do? Deal drugs. You should be a drug dealer. That's what you should do. She wants him she to. She gives the worst <laughs> advice all the epic time. I'm not going to disagree with you that she doesn't give uh, amazing Horrible advice. advice. Yeah, sure. So uh, just to take a little bit of a step back, because I do want to talk further about the scene, but what's going on with Ty is he found out that one of his brother's friends is yeah. dealing with the bad detective last Who episode. His right. Brother. And he wants to figure out a way to find out more about that. Why do they have the relationship? What's right. going on? Um, but he's being locked out. 
so to, what Tandy tells him to do is like, just pretend, be a drug dealer, get in with him, and then you'll find out the information. Yeah, just be a drug dealer. That's really easy to sneak in and out of. But People, for, it's a revolving door. That, but business. I do think for nobody Tandy, makes you do that for life, and then if you try Tandy, to escape, they'll kill you. For it's Tandy, cool. that level has worked for her. She yeah, has. She's a blonde to, girl. She can walk in and out as she, as she pleases. To one hundred percent. And then this think, is a black man. He can't do the same things that she can. Yes, I know. They talked about that again. The last episode. Yeah, but she doesn't seem to have any kind of... She doesn't. 100%. You are correct. Absolutely. Cool. That's the way the show works. Great. That, those are the characters. They're not super geniuses. I think that's great. Not everybody on TV needs to be an ace magician working with the FBI. Right. Pete. Well, sometimes it drives you crazy because like when we talk about Riverdale, it makes you upset how dumb Archie is. But I think it's funny how dumb Archie okay, is. Okay, well, either way. Some- if you were like, hey, if you, Archie on Riverdale, if you were like, hey, Archie, this bowl of rocks is a delicious cereal, he'd be like, oh, yeah, and then he'd eat it, <laughs> and then he'd try to have sex with it. Because that's Archie. That's fine. That works in the context of the show. Sure, in this sure. Show, I guess so. If you say so. Ty is not great at cons. He's trying to learn from Tandy. Tandy is pretty good, but not excellent at cons. And I think that's okay. Like, they're still kids. They're still figuring it all out. Cool. They're just, you know, messing around with stuff. All right. So anyway, getting back to the scene where they're talking together, they're like, uh, how are you doing on your thing? And they encourage each other to... Uh, well, she encourages him. She's like, why don't you use your fear power? I'm going to use my hope power on Mina Hess. That's why I think she's being cocky. That's what I was getting back around to. That's why I think she's not hiding any of her intentions really with Mina, because ultimately she's getting cocky about her power. She's like, I have these amazing powers. I can do whatever I want. So if things go bad, I can just light dagger my way out of it. Exactly. 100%. And this episode, she found out. She needs to tone that down. Yes, exactly. 100% is what they find out by the yeah, end of the episode the is dad. Ty got to bring it up and Tandy has to bring it down. Yeah. Those are the, that is their arc for the episode. And that's why, again, while she's doing it, it seems kind of dumb that she's hammering away at this. But when you watch the entire episode, when you watch it back, I do think it makes a lot of sense. Cool. So watch it twice so you don't get so mad the first time. Watch it once. Feel like a dunce. Watch it twice. Feeling nice. That's what I always say. Oh, that's your your say that you always say. <laughs> yeah, it's my TV well, say. What I did like about this episode is that we found out the voodoo lady and emoji girl don't have this evil plan for our boy, which was yes. great. Yes, I you was have very been hammering ex- on that. Yeah, because I thought it was all part of you know they have this little doll of him and they're going to make uh, make him their minion. Which I'm excited is not the case. No, absolutely not. Instead, it's also cool that they have someone who's into voodoo who isn't evil. It's kind of, she seems like she does good voodoo, which is awesome. Yeah, it's almost like the show takes characters and twists the expectations you might have about them based on their uh, physical characteristics. Do you feel like an asshole for saying that? No. Okay, you should. I like the fact that you're giving me the figure, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So getting back to Tandy for a bit, uh, she shows off a bunch of different skills during this episode with Mina. Mina also shows off her cooking skills. Yeah, man, cookies. Really important part. You know what gives the snap cardamom i don't know what that means yeah it's a spice it was a weird way of saying it actually okay. i think they'd be like the taste snap versus like their 
crunchy, crunchy cookies. Yeah, I don't like crunchy cookies. Yeah, nobody likes crunchy cookies. Well, no, there are people who like like ginger snaps. They're supposed sure, to sure, but even a soft ginger snap is very good. Oh man, yeah, yeah. There's uh, you ever cook some barefoot Contessa stuff? I don't know what you mean. Uh, barefoot Contessa has a delightful ginger uh, cookie recipe. Oh, they're so soft when they come out of the oven. <laughs> but you can't he just kiss his foot there. You couldn't tell. But he kissed his foot. <laughs> he was really fucked up, man. Stretched his foot all the way up to his mouth and kissed it. Uh, so they're going to this psalm. Here's one part that I thought was super interesting. So as Mina and Tandy are playing with each other back and forth, really testing each other out, because they are contemporaries. You know, we find out that Ivan Hess is alive this episode by the end of this episode, but Ivan and Tandy's dad were really good friends. They worked on building the Roxxon platform together. They've worked on this project together. So they've both gone through this tragedy and... The way they feel each other out and the way that they work at each other, I think, is really interesting. They've been through similar experiences, but but come out very differently from it. Right. But also what's upsetting is if Tandy would have just been honest with her uh, and been like, hey, I've also had, you know what I mean? Yeah, that would have it would have gone like she lied to her and didn't have to lie to her and ended up being friends. Well, again, I think you're saying what the point of the episode is. You're saying what Tandy discovers over the course of the episode is, well, okay, we've talked a lot about Tandy's journey, right? That Tandy has started the show in this very dark place and needs to work herself to a light place. Ty is the opposite. He started in this very light place, even though life has been thrown him a couple of really horrible curveballs, but he's working himself down into this darker place where they'll be at the end of that is definitely a big question, but this is what Tandy is ordering. She's ran away from everything her entire life or most of her entire life. She's avoided everything. And now she is learning to trust people and to believe in people, including Mina. And you're absolutely right. She learns by the edge of the episode. She better start being a better person. That's what she's working towards. But it's not as easy as being like, and now I'm a better person. I'm not saying it is, but man alive. You've been an asshole for years, dude. But it's slowly getting better. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Not me, though. Asshole all the way down. Kiss my foot. (laughs) <laughs> uh, there was some really cool moments uh, That I wanted to uh, talk about I love the B. Arthur stuff I thought that was really cool Yeah, so one of the main things that Mina has studied Is uh, bee conservation And so they're looking for this one bee That she calls B. Arthur yeah. uh, And by the end of the episode Once they... Tandy has decided not to touch her to find out what's going on in her thoughts. Uh, Once they've connected, the bee lands on Tandy. And I I agree. It was a really beautiful shot. Mina just blows on her show there and the bee flies away. Very stunning the way the show is put together. Um, Just to take a little bit of a step back from that, they also tangle with a Roxxon suit. Midway through the episode, a guy who has helped set up a pipe about 10 feet, 10 meters, 10 meters away from where it should be. Uh, and the thing that I thought was really interesting we learned about Tandy is she understands the science stuff quite a bit. Yeah. You know, she Which was also a tell that she wasn't just some intern. Yes. Again, I think Mina knows pretty much for the first second she shows up. Um, but I thought that was a little interesting detail about Tandy and points towards not just a connection with Mina, but a potential future for her, a way out of this. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, 
But it was also weird that she didn't notice that it was 10 meters away. You know, I guess when you're so close to a project, mm-hmm. it can be one of those things. But yeah, I just thought it was like Tandy's way of kind of like getting working an in that she found something. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being a kind of a bigger thing by the end of the episode. Right. I mean, one of the things that we found out also is that. Uh, Roxanne clearly is trying to do whatever they were doing on the platform again. And that's something that Mina reveals to her. Also, it's upsetting because you have these idealistic scientist type people who are working for a company to, with their kind of goals in mind, but then they always kind of realize, Oh, Roxanne is still a corporation and they're going to cut any corner that they feel is necessary. And it's kind of a depressing thing that keeps coming up. I mean, she's dealing with, like, why would you do that? Why would you mer- move it 10 meters that way? And they're like, it was cheaper. Yeah. You know? And I was like, oh, god damn it. Yeah, every time. Corporations, man. Oh. Corporations, dude. It's fucking By brutal. the way, uh, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and <laughs> Google Play. And there you go. Uh, <laughs> So we had talked about something earlier. Wait, wait, can we talk about the platform for a second? Because this is a crazy important detail for the future of the show. So Mina reveals to Tandy that what the platform was doing was it wasn't an oil platform. It wasn't looking for oil. They actually found another form of energy that burns even hotter. And that's most likely would cause the explosion. That's what they're looking for now. Mina believes she's found a safe way of doing it. So... I mean, this seems like a pretty obvious connection to make, but this is the disaster that's coming, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. We figured it out. We're sleuths. So I want to go back to the fact that uh, cocky Blondie McBlonderson uh, thinks that she can just touch the dad and save him out of his like a little... Is that co- your name for Tandy? Yep. Okay. Uh, touch the dad and pull him right out of a coma, and she realizes like she doesn't have a grasp on her powers like she thinks she does. No, absolutely not. Uh, and, she, she, and it's this thing that she keeps running into a tie where as soon as she comes across the kind of black aura, uh, it shoot, shoots her backwards. Yeah, so they finally uh, go and meet Mina's father, Ivan Hess, who is in a almost catatonic state. Yeah. He hasn't communicated with anybody in years. She gives him a little bit of the old hope touch, goes into his brain, finds a very weird doorway that seems to be suffused with dark force energy that blasts her out of there. There's a bunch of stuff that's going on in the scene. One, emotionally, she's able to connect with Ivan Hess uh, and in a way that she isn't with her dead father. It gives her a connection to that, which I thought was really beautiful. But there's a lot of questions about what she sees in there. Do you think, well, what do you think was going on when she goes inside of his mind? Well, I think that there was a part that he keeps locked away that is dark and evil. And when you're, she's kind of the hope person, she can't have anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the secret of like what went wrong. And whose fault that is. That's interesting. So do you think that Ty is going to be able to access that? Because yeah, it's I think Ty can, force. yeah, he can. Or, and he might have already been there. Like, we might have already seen what's on the inside. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't clear to me whether that's an actual physical location that was being shown. Like, there is some sort of secret hatch, lost X hatch, yeah. or if that is something in his mind. But I think we're certainly going to come back to it and find out. Yeah. Uh, but it's clear that they got to work on being able to touch each other. That's a big question. Yeah. 
uh, if they can touch each other at all. Right. I expect that we're going to see that by the end of the season, and that might be the thing that kills one of them. Um, Dude, why I, are you so quick to kill one of them? We found out this episode. One of them's going to die, and one of them's going to live. Yeah, also, but that doesn't mean at the them. end what of the epi- uh, doesn't mean at the end of the season. That's like a bigger. No, I think end of the season. I no. think then one of them will come back. It's fine. No, okay, cool. They're fine. They'll be fine. Uh, do we want to take a step back? Talk about Ty's storyline. Yes. Because uh, specifically, there was a the line in there where I was very excited, uh, or at least I thought it was a really cool, powerful line where they were saying like New Orleans always comes back, and I was like, hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is. It's nice and it's fun. It's fun too. Well, it's not. I don't. Know, fun is. Yeah, it's a fun thing. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about a scene that kicks off Ty's storyline, where we see a blonde-haired girl and an African-American guy having hot sex at the beginning. Did you freak out when you saw that? Why would I freak out? Because you're supposed to think that's Tandy and Ty. Yeah, but they can't even touch each other. I know. So I love the way that they filmed that because you're watching that and you're like, what the fuck is going on? How are they touching? Let alone last time we left them, they were barely talking to each other. Now they're having sex somehow. What is happening Crazy teenagers. Yeah, but I like that. I thought it was... You like the misdirect of it? I like the misdirect. It was foreshadowing? Yeah. You think there's going to be some hot and... Well, okay, let's talk about that also before we get into Ty's storyline, because this has been a big question on my mind. In the the comics, Tandy and Ty aren't exactly a romantic couple. Like, it's... uh, But they are, though. No, they're not. They're a couple. No, they're friends. For real? Yeah. I thought they were together. No, they're friends. They need each other. In particular, Cloak really needs Dagger. Uh, he has a hunger inside of him caused by the dark force that yeah. is sated by the light daggers, but they're not dating. It's definitely been implied that cloak is in love with dagger, but dagger always kind of wants to leave and do her own thing, not need to be part of the partnership anymore. Uh, she's dated other people. I don't think cloak really has dated anybody, but they're not together. They're just very, very close. Dude, they've got to get together on the TV show. I don't know. I, I definitely, they have great chemistry. Like I know, Hall. that's the thing. Yeah. Like, if they don't end up together, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Really? Yeah. I do think... Because, because Emoji Girl's not going to last. There's no way. No, she, she's definitely not. I like how they're building out her character, but I do think there's clear romantic chemistry between Ty and Tandy. I also think if you look at television, it's a classic... Genre show trope to be like, oh, we're in love, but we can't touch. You know, you have Rogan Gambit on X-Men. That's not a TV show. But you had Buffy and Angel on Buffy who couldn't sleep together or would lose his soul. Um, It's a classic thing. So I think, like, why would they need to touch each other, you know, if they're just like, hey, we're friends? You know, you need to make them fall in love with each other so that they have to touch, so that they have to deal with that in some way. Yeah, I think if they're in love with each other, they can touch. Yes. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Ooh, love conquers all? Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. So uh, we do get the plot line with Ty. He's trying to infiltrate the gang. This intersects with Detective O'Reilly's plot line a little bit. Detective O'Reilly versus last episode where she's like, I love snorting coke. And yeah, I'm super she's like, I do cop. drugs. Like, what's up? Yeah, cool. I'm a I'm cool a, cop. Uh, yeah, I'm a fucked up cop just like you. 
Yeah. Now she's been shaking a bunch of trees uh, is the terminology I think that they use. Yep. Uh, Yes. It's a little disappointing. I thought Lady Detective a little smarter than this where she's kind of revealing too much to the bad detective about her plan. And that leads us to that warehouse. Yeah. I mean, he's no dummy. She... She's also clearly very smart, but makes a couple of mistakes this episode. Yeah. If anything, she's pushing too hard. She's trying to get through it too quickly. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well for you. No. So anytime your partner goes, wait here, I'm going to go in and then come and get me, you're going to get shot. Yeah. So what happens is uh, that... Tandy is trying to get in with this gang, so he ends up stealing a bag of money that is left by... Ty, you said Tandy. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I just, I don't see characters, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Characters are all the same to me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, so he steals this bag. He ends up using his dark force power to explore this guy's fears, which pretty much... Turns out his fear is insane. His fear is insane. If that's a real thing... I'm really scared. Well, here's the thing. His fear is cloak. Like, if you look, they don't really show the thing that he is afraid of. No, yeah, they do. It's like some vine monster thing that's like... Here's what it looked like to me. It looked like cloak to me, like cloak from the comics. It looked like it was almost a Dementor-style tattered cloak with pieces hanging off. And I think my guess is that's where... I thought if, it was some swamp monster that this guy was scared of. Uh, maybe. It might be. I don't know. I don't think we're supposed to know specifically what he is afraid of. But, but it's the shape of the thing. Yeah. And I think that's where Ty eventually is going to get this inspiration from. I think he's going to take his blood or this cloak and he's going to use it to become Whoa. like this Batman-esque vigilante. But what killed me was as soon as you're done touching the guy. I would have like been like, yo, what in the fuck was that? <laughs> yo, what? Yeah, you have a bunch of doors in the woods? What's yeah, happening? Like, where where, where are you? You got to tell me what's going on here. I can't disagree with that. Okay, good. So he does use it. The guy runs away. He ends up uh, getting in good with the friend. Uh, but this is all leading up to a showdown at the place where the friend works. Bad detective tells the friend, you got to shoot Detective O'Reilly. Detective O'Reilly comes in, shoots him anyway. Cloak yells, no. No, like some kind of rookie asshole. Again, they're kids, Pete. They oh, make mistakes. fucking dumbass. He's emotional. He and watched- then he's half zapping in front of the evil detective, so the evil detective now knows this kid has powers. Like, can you do anything right, kid? Clearly not. They're fuck-ups. Like, uh, one of the things that we talked about for the very first episode that I really like about this show is, to me... It plays like classic X-Men. It plays like classic mutants. And in the comics, Cloak and Dagger are eventually revealed to be mutants. But at the beginning, when they're first introduced, they're not mutants. This is also not a mutant X-Men show, so it's not connected in any way. But one of the things about X-Men is they're constantly fucking up. And they're constantly making their situation worse every time. Yeah, but why won't you learn from your mistakes? Well, he can't really control it. It's more of an instinct right Right, now. He's not like Tandy. Okay, but your plan is just to crouch and watch from a not a good it spot. It happens all of a sudden. He, right, but you should be ready to zap out of there. He doesn't know how to zap. Oh, Remember, earlier in the episode, he's confronted by yeah, the brother's friend, gotten... Thug. Hold on, hold on. He's confronted by the brother's friend, Thug. 
before he uses his fear powers on him, he gets a gun in his face and nothing happens. He talks about that with Tandy later, where he says, I'm explaining it for the audience, Pete, just to pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, He says to Tandy that uh, I don't understand what happened. The fear has always worked for me before. You know, when I was confronted with guns, that's when I zapped. That's when I teleported. Uh, And it doesn't happen to him until the bad cop attacks him later. He doesn't know why, but he ends up blipping through a bunch of places in an alleyway. The question is whether Bad Cop is going to think any of that was real. He was probably on a lot of coke at that point, so he might have imagined it. Also, whether Ty will figure out, oh, okay, here is the thing that will actually cause me to be able to control my teleportation. I think probably we'll see that next episode, but he's not there yet. I just, I would have had a hoodie with me or a little something that, Helps me transport or grab that picture that helped him transport last time. But it hasn't worked with any consistency. Like, he hasn't actually been able to control it. He tried covering himself before, and that didn't work either. Like, he thought that was the thing, and that wasn't the thing. He thought having a gun shoved in his face was the thing, and that wasn't the thing. Nothing was the thing. Yeah, well, yelling while there's uh, bad guys in front of you is not a a good thing either. No, No, that's totally true. But again... They're kids. They're doing emotional stuff. They're making mistakes, and they're doing the wrong thing. And this is one of the few remaining connections. I to just would pr- rather have him get up and run away, and then the guy see him chase uh, sure, him instead of saying no. Even though he felt conflicted about this dude, that was one of the few people who knew and loved his brother and he had a yeah. connection to, and he just lost him. He watched him get shot in front of him and die. That's horrifying. So I understand that. The way that... Aubrey Joseph played that moment, I thought was very real. The way that he said no was really heartbreaking to me. Do you... No, no, I'm going to disagree with you there. I mean, I could, I, if he would have like ran away and then had a moment with it, I would have felt it more. Yeah. The no made me angry. Well, anyway, he does blip through the alleyway and then he ends up back in the church where Tandy approaches him. Uh, I thought again, this scene was heartbreaking and stunningly filmed and really kind of fascinating because he's used this dark force energy and we've gotten a a look for it, right? It's sort of like these wisps of darkness coming off of him. When he first comes into this church, the edge of him, the way that they film it is a little bit of out of focus. So I was actually watching it wondering, is he fully there or is he kind of like half in the dark force, half out? Ultimately, I think that's just the way they filmed it, but I thought it was kind of fascinating to see. But then, again, getting back to that touching thing, Tandy steps forward to give him a hug, but she realizes she can't, and he just stands there crumpling and falling apart. What a way to end an episode. So just emotionally fraught and sad. Did you feel any of that at all, or are you dead inside? Which of the two? Oh, fuck you, man. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I want to, uh, I want to feel more for these characters and I feel like when one of them, I don't want to point fingers, starts to become a better person, maybe I will, uh, feel more. Detective (laughs) (laughs) O'Reilly. Yeah, I'm not happy with Detective O'Reilly either. I mean, she was making some dumb choices. Can we talk about a fun little Easter egg with Detective O'Reilly that yes, didn't please. happen in the episode? So you've watched Luke Cage, right? Oh, yeah. I have both seasons. Yeah. Amazing. Now, we, uh, all of these shows take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
so technically they're all in the same thing. The movies, the Netflix shows, everything else. But uh, sometimes they kind of eschew references to each other. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. never really talks about the Netflix shows. Netflix shows are like, the big Greek guy was yeah. spotted in Arizona or whatever. You know, they started to mention some of the other bigger heroes, but they don't usually do it. Uh, without spoiling anything in Luke Cage, when big events are going down towards the end of the second season, Misty Knight talks about how they're really short-staffed at the police station, uh, and she mentions one other guy. She's like, this guy left, and O'Reilly left New York, went to New Orleans, uh, so now we don't have a lot of people here. So... Was Detective O'Reilly... Yeah, so O'Reilly never showed up on Luke Cage. Although O'Reilly is a popular name for cops. Yes, so it's possible they could be referring to somebody else. They're never specifically like, and then you start messing it up with those cloak and dagger dudes (laughs) or anything. But I think it's pretty clear they're making a little Easter eggy connection between O'Reilly, who we know left New York to head to the New Orleans precinct, um, on Cloak and Dagger and Luke Cage. I thought that was kind of neat. That's cool. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the episode before we start wrapping this up? Nope. Okay. This episode alone then, Cloak or Dagger, Pete? Cloak or Dagger, which one won the episode? Cloak. Yeah, why is that? Because she, he's not Dagger? Yep. Because Cloak <laughs> is a better person than Dagger, and Dagger oh, has man. yet to prove that she's a good person. Uh, see, uh, that's where I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go with Dagger this episode because I think Cloak is still heading down that dark road. He's not totally in control of her power, his powers yet. Um, I liked what Tandy was doing this episode. I thought oh, yeah? she had a lot of good emotional moments. Oh, really? I like her relationship with Mina Hess. I thought Ali Maki, who's playing Mina Hess, she is great. She was amazing. And I like that they're making these connections with other characters. I want to see them flesh out the supporting cast in the world more. I think that's going to be super cool. Don't you nod your head at me like that. Man, I just, I hope she starts getting better. I hope she does too. If you like the show and other shows we do, support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash comic book club. Uh, we have a bunch of cool prizes for you guys. We just updated all of our rewards. You can get a uh, free Patreon exclusive podcast and other things. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, please do us a favor. Leave a nice comment on iTunes and a nice rating. That would be much appreciated. Or if you're listening on Google play, I assume you could do the same thing or stitcher. Maybe you can do it there. I don't know. Uh, also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. in New York that's totally free. Please tell your friends about it. Please come on by. We'll chat about Cloak and Dagger or avoid chatting about Cloak and Dagger if you're Pete, I guess. <laughs> Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about all the amazing live guests we have on our show. And thank you to the people who uh, listen and support us. It's really cool of you. Check us out on Twitter at Comic Book Live, our website, comicbookclublive.com for the podcast and more. And we'll see you in the summer heat. <laughs>